is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. With me today in the studio is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, my friend. Thank you for joining me because uh, I have something to talk to you about. And I bet you do. A few questions for you. I've never known you not to have something to talk about. Yeah, got to ask you a few questions. So uh, previous to us recording or hitting the record button um, here in uh, the studio, I actually showed him a portion of a video. And the video, just a portion because, you know, I don't want to torture anybody with the content of what it was. But uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, And it's really two questions. It's really just two questions. But I'm going to set this up for you to to understand uh, what's actually going on. So um, putting you in a context of this world and what we have seen a lot in churches, uh, we've seen a lot of churches and part of what you preached about last summer at Bellcroft. Um, and if you have not listened to the sermons from uh, 2020 uh, in the summertime, I highly recommend you go to our website, bellcroft.org to take a listen to them. Because a lot of those sermons had to do with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and really more or less how it, uh, what the church should do with it, what the church should do with the racism and all those things. Um, uh, And racism is in air quotes uh, for me. Um, But with that in light and also now moving forward with all of the things that are going on, all of the quote unquote injustices and social injustices that quote unquote uh, that people have been seeing. Um, with that in mind, and <laughs> I put on top of that, uh, there is a movement right now called Leave Loud. And this movement, particularly for me, is not troubling, it is telling. This movement is started by a young man named Jamar Tisby. And Jamar is actually... Uh, He's actually looking to have black people or people with darker skin or people of color um, to leave what people would consider uh, the the church, reformed churches, and go to churches that with people that look exactly like them. Mm-hmm. So basically me, I'm in a I'm not in a reformed church. I'm in a reforming church. That's the that's Bellcroft. Bible church. Um, and in our church, you know, we study scripture and we, you know, the whole church is all about scripture. So with that being the case, I should be leaving this church and going to another church. One, because my pastor is white and a lot of the people that are in the church are white. Mm -hmm. Now, personally, I look at that as a, as a, a, a really big no, like that is, that is false teaching in a sense, because he is pointing to uh, himself versus the scripture. Mm. But my question, and there's two questions, Mm. why should I leave a church? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be a bad host in asking the second question before you answer the first one and say, why should I stay at a church? Okay, well, the first re- the first question you asked, why should I leave a church? There's there's a number of reasons for that, but the it ultimately comes down to when the church seeks to be biblical, you have every right, and I would say you even should like it, it's a must. It, I would even go so far as 
if you're a faithful follower of Christ, you're required to leave. If the church uh, ceases to be biblical, if the church starts teaching that which is false, if the church starts going against the the will and the word of God, if the church starts allowing, uh, you know, godlessness into the church as a form of godliness, which is happens all the time. Um, it is wrong for, for, uh, true believers to stay in that environment. And so there's a proper way to leave the church, Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, especially if it's one in which you've joined and covenanted with, so it's not necessarily something that happens automatically or flippantly, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obvious uh, when the word of God is not preached, is not, uh, as first Timothy three fifteen, the church is simply and most assuredly this, the pillar and buttress of the truth. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. It's all about the truth, yeah. my friend. And so the church is there to hold up the truth, to declare the truth, to display the truth, to dialogue about the truth and to defend it. And when the church stops to do that, stops doing that. In every way, the church stops being the church. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these quote-unquote churches that you're talking about, people are leaving, aren't even churches anymore. Hmm. And so that even helps the discussion. You can't you, just walk past that point. You gotta, yeah, I well, want you to open that a little bit. Well, I think a, a better question would be, what defines a true church? Yeah. Right? Definitely. And so you have to study the scriptures and realize that this, this is what this is what marks a true church, not church in its name, not a building, not a not a sign out front that calls itself X Y Z Church, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything, right? Mm-hmm. There are all kinds. I mean, the Roman Catholic Church is not a church in the biblical sense of the word mm-hmm. at all. And so, so yeah, just because it's a, a a gathering of people doesn't mean it's a gathering of Christ, right? The body mm-hmm. of Christ, right? And so uh, sometimes you leave a church because it ceases to be the church. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, it's a no-brainer then. You're not even part of a church. And uh, I, I believe wholeheartedly that we're living in a day and age where we have a lot of churches that are not churches from, mm-hmm. a, from a biblical standpoint. Mm-hmm. I know what they call themselves, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what man says. It matters what God says. And, of course, he says that through his word. And so the, um, the preaching of God's word, the faithful preaching of God's word, the faithful preaching of the gospel, right? The faithful, <laughs> the, f- the faithful um, uh, display and uh, involvement of the ordinances, baptism and communion, that marks a true church. Uh, church discipline is another mark. So, you know, for the, Pur- for the Puritans, for the Reformers, because they came out of the... Out of the uh, era of Roman Catholicism, and they, they struggled because all they knew was Roman Catholicism for a thousand years of church history, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to discern once they realized we can't reform the church, right, i.e., we, we can't fix it, we're going to have to start over, i.e., and that's the whole Protestant movement. They were, you can imagine, they were searching what makes a true church. Mm-hmm. And so um, they... Uh, they had to do that, and and uh, and it came down to that reality: the true preaching of the word, the practice of the ordinances, mm-hmm. right, and the um, uh, the administration of the ordinances, and the reality of church discipline. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's more than that when you study the scripture. But for those for for them, that was three primary foundational pillars by which you could 
evaluate an institution and say, is this a church? Well, if you take the reformers and then apply that to the Roman Catholic Church, well, you see they're, they're not preaching the word. They don't even preach, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, of course, they didn't rightfully administer the ordinances. I mean, they've got those things all messed up. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and they're not practicing uh, church discipline biblically. So you could see how 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 that works. And of course, church discipline today is not even heard of, yeah. really, let alone practice. The ordinances are, are are a joke in many congregations, and the word of God has been thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. I mean, along with the pulpit, mm-hmm. and so it's been replaced with a psych- psychology desk. Right. Or better yet, a psychology table that sits on the platform. Ted talk. Yeah. And so. So, yeah, I think I think an honest question and a real question would be, is it even a church? And I know that's a little bit prickly and maybe provocative, but I I think that's a better question when you're dealing with that. Now, you may have a church that's a legitimate church, but it's going off the rails. Right. And then you have to discern uh, when is the right time to leave. And what is the right way to leave? Mm-hmm. And that's important. But yeah, when the preaching of the word ceases to be, then not only does that place cease to be a church, but it ceases to be the church for you, right? You got to go. You got to get out of there because false teaching and erring doctrine is one of the greatest dangers in people's lives. They have no clue of this, right? That's why the Bible says so much about it. The epistles are written over and over again in light of false teaching, in light of false doctrine. It was the greatest danger that the early church faced, the danger that primarily came from within. Most people think the danger is from government and from uh, unbelievers outside. That danger exists, but that's a minimal danger. Mm -hmm. The greatest danger has always been when people rise up from within the church and pull people away to themselves, false Mm -hmm. teachers, Mm -hmm. right? Apostates and people that bring in erring doctrines. You see this in almost every single New Testament letter. And that's the, the greatest danger is always comes from within. And that's what Satan does. He worms his way in either through uh, deceiving people or through deceiving doctrines of demons. And he comes in and he seeks to distract the church and bring it down. And that's why we have to take it serious. And uh, much of what you described, which is the first time I've heard it, is nothing more than that. That's all that is. Yeah. That's all that is. Yeah. When I was, uh, and part of what I, I mean, I've known about it for, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It was really explained to me because I kind of ignored it because it was so just. I mean, it was to me. It was so. Uh, it, it was. It wasn't worth listening to. It was. It was. It was useless. Yep. You know. Um, but then I was listening to, uh, and I would highly recommend. <laughs> it's it's a three hour long podcast because that's all they do is long podcasts. It's oh, just, just thinking, thinking podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, I think towards the end, actually towards the uh, beginning of the podcast, they kind of explain, uh, you know, this whole concept and, uh, you know, the, you know, that first part definitely listen to it, but the, the, the former, the last part of the, you know, the whole uh, podcast is really good as well. But when I started to think through it, I'm like, you know what? Like it's more or less like Jamar Tisby. I think he went to uh, he went he went to seminary. He's seminary trained. And I can't remember which seminary it was, but it was a pretty solid seminary. And it reminded me a lot of like uh, a, uh, I was about to say uh, Jackie Chan, 
Uh, but Francis, uh, Chan. Francis Chan yeah. coming from Masters, yeah. and then you know his theology kind of getting off, and then he went you know a completely different way. Yep. I feel that way the same way with Jamar Tisby. And as I thought through it, I'm like, you know, I'm like, really the 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 whole idea it doesn't point to Christ. It no. literally points to his race yeah. and his ethnicity more than anything. Yeah. So uh, again, I know nothing about. I don't even know who this person is or yeah. any of this. I'm just learning it as you're saying it, but I don't need to learn it because it's the same thing. It always is. Mm-hmm. It's it's seeking to distract people from the truth. Yeah. It's seeking to divide people who want to follow the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So think of these these terms, distraction. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's distracting people from the truth by dividing the truth into false doctrine. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, it's bringing division into the church, right? So he's mm-hmm. dividing the church. Can I tell you? Uh, and then ultimately, what he's what he's seeking to do, what he's seeking to do is distort the gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so distraction, division, distortion, destruction, right? In in all of those areas, that's everything you just described to me. That's all the fingerprints of Satan. Hmm. That's how he works, mm-hmm. right? So whether this guy knows that or not, I I I can't speak because I don't even know who he is. But he is he is falling right in line with what the evil one does. He's done this, like Paul says, we're not we're not uh, oblivious to the wiles of the devil. We know his ways. He's sly. He's slick. He's powerful. All these things. But he's pretty common in what he does. He has he has a set of tricks and he uses them all the time. And mm-hmm. and we've learned those over time through Scripture. And we can see he cannot destroy the true church, but he works endlessly to distract her. Mm -hmm. And he distracts her by distorting the gospel and by dividing truth, meaning he'll he'll compartmentalize it. He'll take a piece of truth, he'll chop it up, and he'll add all kinds of false teaching into it, but he'll cover it with enough truth to where unsuspecting untrained uh, people will be lured into it and he pulls them away that's that's what he's always done he did it in the garden of eden he's been doing it ever since everything you just described to me has all the fingerprints of that and anybody that ever seeks to uh, divide the church in the way you're describing it i mean that's all that's all the work of satan mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's what and that's been going on and doesn't surprise me at all and that will continue to happen and that's the blessing of, of the word of God because it speaks against that. That person does not know the gospel. That person does not know the word. That person does not know the precious nature of the church. That person doesn't even understand Christ. Mm-hmm. Everything you just described to me, that person doesn't get that. Mm-hmm. Either he's either he's ignorant of it or he's aggressively fighting against it in deception. So he's yeah. either completely ignorant of the gospel because the gospel doesn't divide, it unites. Galatians 3 makes it very clear that there is neither Jew nor Greek, right? That we're all one in Christ. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither man nor woman. There's neither black nor white. There's, mm-hmm. there's In the gospel, we are one. We become one flesh, mm-hmm. right? United with Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when you start telling people to divide up into churches according to your skin color, you you're... You don't know the gospel, and you don't know the image of God. Hmm. He doesn't. I mean, this this poor person is devoid of the knowledge of God. Uh, either either he's utterly devoid of it, or he's aggressively deceiving. 
He knows what he's doing. So it's one or the other. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Either he's utterly incompetent and ignorant to the scriptures, or he's utterly a deceiver and he's trying to pull people away. It's your only options you got. Yeah. And and so um, he clearly doesn't understand the image of God and, and the creation of man, right? And so when you start dividing people up according to the myth of race, you totally, you mm-hmm. totally off the off the charts biblically because there there is no thing we're we're one race we're mm-hmm. one human race mm-hmm. act 17 declares that mm-hmm. god himself declared he made one human race he made out of one man every single person on the planet we all come from adam we all we all have the same dna and we're all sinners and we're all wicked white black chinese korean russian down the line it goes. We all have the same problem, mm-hmm. and it's no different. And uh, part of what critical race theory is doing is trying to foster the depravity of man on one group of people, which is the white people, and try to exonerate everyone else from that reality. But that's just a, it's a distortion of the gospel. It's a distortion of the, of the reason the gospel is needed, that mankind are all sinners, and partiality and discrimination and all these sins invade the heart of everyone mm-hmm. black people as much as white people and mm-hmm. chinese as much as japanese and mm-hmm. it's like uh, indians as much as americans right native americans and whatever it doesn't matter your heart is the same we're all we're all, we're all racist in that sense mm-hmm. we're all sinners but of course you can't say that today and uh, but that's what the bible teaches and this poor this poor soul here does is devoid of any truth of that and He's uh, fighting against God, and I feel sorry for him because yeah. he's not going to win that fight. Yeah, and one of the reasons— Wait, let me say ahead. something. But God God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. So how, how this will work is God will use that. God is sovereign. So God is in control of whoever this guy is and all of this, and he has his, he has his hand upon his church, and he's building his church actually in a mighty way today. He will use that to purge his church. Mm-hmm. He will use that to reveal the false church from the true church. Mm-hmm. And he'll use that to call other people out that will follow that. And then one day they'll be awakened to it and they'll realize and they'll come back. And so the Lord, the, the Lord is not at all, even at all worried about this guy, nor would I be. He's yeah. just like, yep, this has been going on from the beginning. It won't stop. We just preach the word. Christ builds his church. He's saving all he's going to save. It's awesome. We're watching it happen like never before, watching the church grow in true growth. It's like, keep it coming. Mm-hmm. Keep it coming. The yeah. harder, the darker, the harder the days, the darker the days, the greater the glory for the Lord and the greater the gospel goes out. It's like, keep it coming. You literally took the thought that I was going to say, because one of the reasons that they were saying that uh, uh, people should leave churches is that, um, <laughs> I don't know why my, I, I literally put it on do not disturb and I keep getting all these notifications. It's because you're so important. No, I'm not. I, I need to be less important if I'm so important. <laughs> I, I need to, I need people to leave me alone. That's what I need. <laughs> I need people to leave me alone right now while I'm trying to record a podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I just I just want to have some some opportunity to talk. Probably have to edit that out. <laughs> and I probably won't. So <laughs> so one of the reasons why uh he was saying for people to leave the church is because uh black people aren't being listened to and aren't being uh uh uh, uh I would say magnified, you know, basically. Yeah. And and as I look at it I'm like, okay, 
this actually makes me not want to leave the church because, well, my church, because I am not the one that's being magnified. It, It makes me feel better that I am going to a church that is literally not only looking at the people that are in the pews and the one that's behind the pulpit as a center that yeah. is in constant need of uh, regeneration and, con- and in constant need of, of sanctification. Now, if I was looking at it, well, well, wait a minute, you're not looking at my blackness. Well, I don't really care, (laughs) you know, and and I, I, for me, it was like, okay, that was an eye opening experience. And you're absolutely right. It's definitely, this is being used to purge the church, separating the wheat from the chaff, you know, Mm. constantly. So absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, just let the truth talk, listen to it. Mm -hmm. Paul says, um, indeed, this is uh, second Timothy three, 12, 14, 13. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while Evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. Talking about the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, these things have been going on forever. They're not going to stop. It's actually, if you read earlier in in chapter three, it's only going to get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. It's going the times are going to get worse. We obviously see that happening. It's like it's on steroids. Somebody's the Lord's got his finger on the fast forward button. I mean, you can see it just mm-hmm. coming at an exponential rate. But that doesn't alarm us. That doesn't. We don't even hesitate. We don't. We don't even slow down. We actually, if anything, it fires me up to preach the gospel more. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that language that you just used, as far as that their perspective about exalting race and all of that. That's all, again, that's straight from the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that is going directly against the scriptures and the reality of why we assemble is to exalt one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Paul said it, if we boast, we boast in the Lord. Mm-hmm. We don't boast in man. We don't boast in man's skin. We don't boast in his color. We don't boast in his bank account. We don't boast in his car, in his shoes, in his suit, in his muscles. We don't boast in anything. Matter of fact, what we do is we point out all that man is at best at best man is a sinful creature definitely that's what we say cuz that's mm-hmm. what the bible says because man is prideful to the core all of us and we need to be humbled and mm-hmm. that's the reality of the scriptures that's what they do that's what we read we find our worth not in exalting one another but in the fact that Christ has died for us and made us a new creation in Christ, that we are one with him, that we are being, uh, being reformed, transformed into, into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we exalt in. We, mm-hmm. we don't exalt in our pseudo-righteousness that we get to make up ourselves. We exalt in the righteousness of Christ that has been given to us by faith in the risen Lord. Mm-hmm. That's what we exalt in. And any other exaltation is... Uh, is sinful at best, demonic at worst, because mm-hmm. that's that's what Satan does, yeah. right? He exalts himself. Mm-hmm. He set himself above. He wanted the place of of praise and pleasure, and that's why I've said from the beginning, all the way back last summer, CRT, all of this is from the pit of hell. It is a doctrine of demons. It comes, listen, so many are. Satan is the father of lies. Mm-hmm. He is the ultimate liar. All liars are followers of Satan. They are, they are children of the devil. That's where that's what First John three says. That murderers, liars, they all come from the same source. Mm-hmm. And all lies come out of, especially the lies of 
false ideologies and doctrines that seek to divide, seek to deceive, seek to uh, distort, seek to destroy. All of that comes from Satan. That's his fingerprints all over it. And CRT is 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 just happens to be the one that's the flavor of the month right now. Yeah. It'll change. Mm-hmm. It'll change because that's what Satan does. He gets mm-hmm. everybody all worked up over here, and then he comes over here, and he'll come up with a new lie, mm-hmm. right? He's been doing that ever since um, Acts 15. You can go all the way back to Acts 15 with the first Jerusalem council. We're what? Trying to add to the gospel and make circumcision a part of the gospel. Where did that come from? It come from Satan trying to distort the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Does distortion of Christ the division of the church, the um, adding to the gospel. These are all his fingerprints. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, we just keep going. Mm. Old dog, old tricks. Yep. <laughs> not going to distract us. Yeah. And we're not going to get weighted down by it. We're not going to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, as Paul says, God knows who's, those who are his. Mm-hmm. He's saving those. That's the beauty of the doctrine of election. That's the beauty of sovereign grace. We know God is going to save all of his own. We are here just to be faithful, to preach the gospel, to evangelize the lost, and to edify and disciple those whom he saves. That's that's our calling. That's it. Mm-hmm. We're not here to save the world. We're not here to, uh, surely not here to reform the government. All of those things can be done within our individual lives, and they have a place. Praise the Lord. You can be a part of that. But that's not our mission as a church. Mm-hmm. Not at all. That's a distraction to the church. Mm-hmm. We're here to stay faithful to the gospel. Yeah. So I, I want to mention, too, um, I highly recommend you listen to that podcast with uh, uh, Virgil and Daryl. It's called uh, uh, the Just Thinking Podcast, and the episode is number one eleven. It's called Activist Theology, uh, so it's actually a pretty uh, it's a, a lengthy uh, podcast. But I had a discussion on Sunday. We had a, a lunch in with a bunch of military mm-hmm. guys uh, that are here at our church, and one of them pretty active already in politics or wants to be and mm-hmm. who knows probably end up somewhere like that some of these guys usually do and and you know just it was he was asking me a bunch of questions about that in light of the Romans 13 series mm-hmm. and I said one of the best things you'll ever do for yourself politically is to ground yourself theologically mm-hmm. matter of fact you can't even begin to swim in the cesspool of politics until you have a biblical doctrine of of theology of man the theology of God and the theology of government until you start to get those and then, and then understand that in the realm of, of soteriology, the God, the doctrine of the gospel, you, you, you will be a mess in politics because you will always be struggling with the view of man. You'll always be struggling with the view of government. You'll always be struggling. Like you'll be even pulled. Mm-hmm. But if you have your, your roots deep in a biblical sound doctrine of those areas, You'll be one of the greatest politicians ever. And you'll be able to listen to and be a part of politics without mm-hmm. being polluted. Yeah. That's what happens. Politics pollutes. Mm-hmm. It pollutes big time. But it will not pollute the man who is grounded in the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's why even at our church I speak about it so much because I want our people to be grounded so that when politics, it's, we live in a political culture and a politically charged land, especially here around D.C. and we're fine. We're not. We're not going. We're not going to waver. We're not going to get tossed to and fro. Why? Because we're we're going to be rooted and grounded in the truth. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I want to now go back to the original question uh, that was asked. We we went off on a really good uh, rabbit trail there, um, but I want to go back to that original question. I want to take about 
I say about 10 minutes and uh, talk through that. Um, really, it's, it's come down. It comes down to what why would one why would one want to leave their church or why should one not want to yeah. but why should one leave their church the first thing you said was uh if they cease to yeah uh, if it really it really comes down to this you can divide it up in multiple ways it really comes down to truth is that church centering itself around the truth mm-hmm. is is that church a a biblically saturated church do they have a biblical philosophy of ministry are they are they first timothy 315 a pillar and buttress of the truth mm-hmm. if, if not then you've got to get out of there right? right are they you know you could take that even further it's the same thing but i'm just driving it deeper so that's that's the reason that's it mm-hmm. you don't leave a church over the music you don't leave a church over frivolous things that may be part of it right mm-hmm. that may be a, but that alone is not a reason most time people leave churches over over frivolous things, over emotions, over relationships, mm-hmm. right? And you never want to do that if you're in a biblically sound church. That would be the worst thing you ever did. But it, it, if the church is 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 erring in doctrine and false teaching and all of that, yeah, you, you get out of there. Here's why. Because life is too short. Life is too precious to uh, ingrain yourself into a weak, pitiful church. Mm-hmm. And so if you have got no other choices, that's a different story. But uh, there, there, are, there are more good churches out there than people realize. You just got to look for them, and you got to know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, yeah, no, you, you always leave a church when the Bible has left the church. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when you go. Now, that may come up in multiple ways, right? And it tends to be a subtle slide. For instance, the music. I don't think leaving the church over the music is a is a is a biblically sound reason. However, oftentimes when a church is throwing the Bible out the window, i.e., getting rid of it, it usually shows up first in the music. Mm-hmm. That's usually where it first comes up, and so that could be a telltale sign that you got to sit down with the pastor, sit down with the elders, and start to approach that and confront that and in a biblical way and bring that out. And that may be a blessing for that church, and you may be a part of that. But that if the if the pulpit is still sound, then you help that pastor, you encourage that pastor. But but if it, the, the the scriptures are gone from the music, and then the scripture goes from the pulpit, man, you you go because you don't want to put your family and yourself in that environment. You don't know what else is coming mm-hmm. because something's going to fill that void. And I can tell you what it is: it's going to be lies, it's going to be deceptions, it's going to be false teaching. It's the way it always works. So. Yeah, it's always that. So pillar and buttress of truth is the church that. You'll see it in the music when when it starts to go. You'll see it in the leadership. Mm-hmm. So you'll have ungodly men, unqualified men. You'll have men who can't handle the word. You have men who don't live the word. You have men who don't know the word. That's how you'll see it. These will be some of the, the earmarks that the, the word has left the church, mm-hmm. right? And that's when you leave the church. And so you'll see it in that way. You'll see it in its discipleship or lack thereof Mm -hmm. what are they focused on are they focused on the things that the bible says evangelism discipleship matthew 28 are they focused on pop psychology and making you feel better and Hmm. trying to figure out how how to make your life better when as i just read in second timothy 3 we're all called to suffer for his sake and we will have to deal with that if we live godly so you, you can start to see if your church fits that um mo in some of those areas but yes when the when the Bible is out of the church, you need to remove yourself from the church. 
I think that, hmm, yeah, I, 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 obviously I agree with you, but I think that, I think that where I, I kind of am questioning, not necessarily questioning as in it's false, but more like I'm curious as to how someone in a church setting like that would actually know what the truth is. You know what I mean? Like there are, there are hundreds, I'd say thousands of people that are in a church right now mm-hmm. that don't know what expository preaching is, yep. that don't know what a good hymn is because they came into the church. That church might may have had like some outreach and yeah. in the community and they're like, hey, you should come to our church. It's really cool. And, you know, you'll like our church and they go and they're fellowshipping with the people and then they, you know, have this pseudo salvation, mm-hmm. this pseudo baptism, and they feel like they're going to and being a part of a church where the pastor gives a TED talk every week. Uh, the praise and worship every week is just, uh, you notice I said praise and worship because that's what my old church used to do. That's what we used to call it. Some churches call it devotions. You know, they don't really call it worship. They call it praise and worship and all of that. Uh, but they're singing songs from, you know, uh, notable artists like uh, like Bethel music or, you know, elevation music, stuff that's pointing to self, not pointing to Christ like a good old fashioned hymn would. Um, and, uh, how would someone know, like, how would they even be at that point where they're like, you know what? I probably should leave my church. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. So what you just described is an unbeliever. Wow. So they're not going to know because hmm. they're not going to desire it. They're not going to want to leave. Mm-hmm. Right. So everything you just described in the, in, in what you just said is all that's an unbeliever. You just described an unbeliever. They're, you know, they're they're doing like you said, pseudo gospel, pseudo truth, pseudo evangelism, pseudo profession. I mean, you, by your own admission, so you're describing somebody who's an unbeliever, and, and I would say, well, they're not going to know because they have no light, they have no truth, they have no life. They're dead in their sins. Mm-hmm. They have no desire for the word of God. They have no desire to leave. So, in that sense, we're talking about a different segment of people, and so in that sense, they're never going to want to leave. Because why would they? They're happy where they are. And so, yeah, I can't really speak to those people, right? Those people need the gospel. They need the truth. But if you're talking about a different group of people, people who are genuine believers, who are in uh, bad churches or false churches or weak churches or whatever you want to describe, that's now that's a different, different uh, group of people. And uh, those people, by God's grace, will come out. Mm-hmm. And the Lord will draw them out, and the Lord will provoke them out, and by God's grace, truth will come. And, uh, and so you pray for them, and, and uh, at the end of the day, if someone's listening to this, and they're part of that, the key is always the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So that's how you evaluate. Listen to the songs and look at God's word. Do they match? Are they anywhere even close? Do they even correlate? Is there anything? Is, does the music contradict the word? Right. Or does the music complement the word? Right. That's what about the preacher? Is he preaching the word or is he just talking about the word? Mm-hmm. Does he contradict the word or or does he hold up the word? Right. Does he complement himself, exalt himself or does he exalt the word? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, that eventually people who are genuine believers will get to that point. Right. Because it's like a baby who is not fed milk. Eventually that baby's going to scream. That baby's going to starve. That baby's going to want food. And again, that's the beauty of true salvation 
It is life. It is life eternal. And that life needs to grow. And that life will begin to grow only in and around the truth. It's the truth we feed on. Now, that may take a while, especially if you're in a weak church, because you're getting some truth. But it's all weighted down with all kinds of worldliness. That's where most people are. And uh, But, uh, like, I'll just use you as an example. Why did you end up at Belcroft? How did you end up here? Uh, I ended up here because we decided to homeschool. And, uh, well, let, let me answer it the correct way. God's providence is why I'm here. Amen. <laughs> but, but God's providence for, provided opportunities for us to homeschool. And then we were coming to the uh, uh, co-op. And yeah. then uh, my wife was talking to one of the elders' wives. Hey, we need windows. And then, okay, well. I worked for a window company at that time, and lo and behold, the windows that are in the church are from, you know, me, uh, you know, my connection. But uh, I started actually years before that um, talking to some friends about uh, theology, basically, just having conversations. I was introduced to uh, this term called this whole acronym of TULIP, and then it was like, that that's nothing that like I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And then somebody said, here, listen to this guy. There was something within you that wanted more that, Yeah, that was definitely this, was called this a hunger. hunger. Yeah, there it was just definitely this hunger. And you weren't getting fed where oh, you were. No, I wasn't. And, and, and that was the thing. It was like, I literally was learning more outside of church and outside of Bible study, outside of sermon. And, um, so I started listening to you know, the likes of RC Sproul, uh, John MacArthur, uh, Steve Lawson, Unfortunately, I was listening to uh, uh, <laughs> Paul Washer. That's the that's the one preacher that I can listen to, and I'm like, man, I am nowhere near where I need to be. <laughs> you know, he he's he's a he's a hard preacher, and I love it, and I can't stop listening to it. But uh, and I say unfortunately, sarcastically. Uh, but you know, I started listening to that, and I started to okay, my my version of Bible changed. I was I, instead of using the New International Version, I, I got into the the uh, elect standard version, as, uh, as as people would say, so uh, so uh, that's actually from Omaha. Uh, so Virgil <laughs> Virgil uh, Virgil Walker, you says the elect standard version. Is it yeah, it's Virgil that says that? So uh, so you know it's it's like I started you know my my version changed, and I remember having this conversation very specifically. My mother was like. Cause she was like, Hey, I want to get some Bibles for your girls. Yep. You know, what version should I get? And I yep. said, I want you to get ESV. She said, why? I said, because as I've looked at it, ESV is a lot closer to the Greek and Hebrew than new international version. Yeah. New international version is more of a, you know, a paraphrase of it. You yeah. know, the, the English standard is, a, you know, it's a, it's a direct translation. And she's like, Oh, well, should I get one? I said, absolutely. You should get one for yourself too. She never did. Yeah. It was she was always, you know. The I think that I had a no, never in the house can I remember a new international version. And you know, when I started, I was like, man, this sounds completely different. And then uh, I started to come to the men's Bible study. Um, fast forward a whole lot of years, I started coming to the men's Bible study because I think the first question that I asked you uh, when I was when I came, it was it was funny. I got all these uh, measurements for the windows and I lost all of them. Then I had to come back and, you know, uh, Marty, our our elder here, one of the elders here was like, yeah, you know, Matt, uh, Matt's at the church. You can go up there and, 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 you know, he's there. Okay. Let me go up there. And, you know, so I was like, who's Matt? I was like, oh, he must be the pastor. So 
I'll, you know, I walk in, and, you know, he said, hey, how's it going? He's like, you want some water? You, you want some water? I said, sure. So he came out, gave me two little small little swallows of water, <laughs> little small bottles. So I went around, got my measurements, and I said, hey, uh, is this a reformed church? <laughs> and this was his response. We're reforming. And I was like, oh, you got to tell me more about this, man. You got to talk to me. So, yeah, Beverly says, my wife, Beverly said that I came home with these, uh, with the, you know, the the emoji that has the, the heart says eyes instead of actual <laughs> eyes. I was like, yeah, whatever, you know. But then I went to men's Bible study, and that was a wrap. Um, I, I knew that this was uh, something that I wanted to do. I wanted to change churches because I felt uh, I, f- I felt revitalized. I felt, you know, renewed. I felt like there was now it was like the hunger that I had been, you know, I was literally searching for the word. I wasn't searching for a person. I wasn't even searching for a new church. I just wanted to know more about what God's word said. Yep. And then it was like, oh, well, now I can go to a church that is giving me that. So yep. I didn't care if you were blue or purple. I didn't care what color you were. I didn't yep. care where you were from. Yep. Even though you being so, from so, West Virginia is actually pretty cool. It was like, yeah, I don't really care about that. Yeah, Does so, this man preach the word? Amen. That and, was what I was looking for. And and who put that in you? Definitely it was not. It did not come from me. It Amen. did not come from my parents. That definitely uh, providentially uh, that hunger came from Christ, you know, literally putting it in me because I would not. I, my heart is evil. I don't seek after God. So yeah. I knew that that was definitely from uh, from God that I wanted and I hungered to know what the word of God was actually saying. Absolutely. That's and, one of the evidences of true faith is a desire to feed on the mm-hmm. word, a love for the word, a longing for the word. And the mm-hmm. longer you're in a in a dry and weary land, right? So Psalm 42, as the deer pants after the water brook, mm-hmm. so my soul pants after you, mm-hmm. right? And so obviously that's, that's, that's God's sovereign grace in our hearts and our lives. And every true believer will have that mm-hmm. at some form or fashion. Now, again, depending on where they are, they might not be able to fulfill it in a local church because of what we're seeing with the devoid of, of sound churches. But they will look for it. They will hunt it. I've said, I've said many times that it, it would be most people move geographically for jobs. You'd be better off to move for the church. Mm-hmm. You'd be better off to turn down a job if you're in a good church stay there and give up a good job to move to a place where there's a good church. You will be better off eternally and temporally, especially as you raise your family. Mm -hmm. That is a concept almost utterly foreign to us today. But that was not a concept foreign back in the day when, when believers were on fire for the Lord. That's what, that's when you can tell when people are serious and that's what we should be right. The church is not an addendum to our life. The church is to be the center of our life because the church is the conduit by which we are protected by God, fed by God, preserved by God, and blessed by God in that the church is how God has designed us to live, move, and have our being so that we grow in the grace and knowledge of God. And that's the greatest blessing on earth mm-hmm. is to know him more and to be known, uh, to make him known. And where does where's the context of that? It's not in your individual life. It's in the family of God, the local church that you covenant with and commit to uh, for life. And that's beauty. Wayne Mack, a seasoned pastor in South Africa, used to say, 
trying to live the Christian life without the church is like trying to learn how to swim without water. <laughs> that is accurate. That is it, good. And that's it. But yeah. most people, and if we're honest, most people today in most churches, even sound churches, do not have that conviction. Mm. They don't believe that. The church is just most of the time it's traditional, it's historical, this is what we do, this is how I was raised, or it's even uh, what I would call surface conviction, where it's like, yeah, I need that, but I don't really need it, but mm-hmm. but it's what I do, right? COVID yeah. showed that. Mm-hmm. So the church is taken away. By and large, most people didn't, it didn't matter. And we've got people who just continue to stay away from the church, not necessarily in our church, but in the sphere, right? Run into people all the time and... And that sad reality, all that did was show, yeah, they don't really have a core conviction of the centrality of the church mm-hmm. like the Bible does. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we, we, we need it. And, uh, and so going back to your question, when do I leave the church? Well, whenever I'm forced with that, that's a serious question. But when it comes to the word, when the word is left, I leave and I leave quickly mm-hmm. because if I'm not getting the word, then I, this is no longer a church mm-hmm. and this is no longer what God has commanded me to do, right? He commands me to study the word, to teach the word, preach the word, disciple others in the word. If there's no word, I can't please God. So, yeah. That's good. Well, uh, we didn't tackle the second question, so I probably could have saved that anyway. So we're going to tackle that next question on, on next week on the podcast. And uh, I do have an announcement next week uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's 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 you should listen to it. How about that? But before you listen to that, I want you to listen to this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this day, be reconciled to God. 
Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at BelcroftBibleChurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.